While we were marching through Georgia, everybody swing your honey, swing your high and low. The Alaman left for the old left hand, around the ring you go. A grand old right to left walk on your heel and toe. Promenade that pretty gal to Georgia. I did say at one point that I wanted to end the Moving Through Georgia podcast, but I began to realize that I enjoyed having a podcast. So if you are still subscribed, please stay subscribed because there will be more episodes coming out soon. I'm going to uh, work over Christmas break on a new series of episodes. Taking up about 75 acres on the side of Jesse Jewell Parkway, Gainesville's Alta Vista Cemetery is pretty big. People have been interred there since about 1872, and actually when the cemetery opened, some people who had died even up to the 1820s were moved into that cemetery. There are a few notable people buried there, some we've already discussed in previous episodes, as well as veterans from just about every war, including the American Revolution. So here is an episode to listen to while you are sitting in that Gainesville traffic. Maybe listening to it will distract you from the thought of turning into that Dunkin' Donuts. This is Moving Through Georgia, Alta Vista Cemetery. Of course, the most notable resident is the former Confederate General James Longstreet. Longstreet graduated from West Point, 60th out of 62, and fought in the Mexican-American War. He was friends with Ulysses Grant, who graduated a year after him, and Longstreet sometimes even accompanied Grant as he courted his future wife. Longstreet was a paymaster in Albuquerque, New Mexico in June of 1861 when word of Fort Sumter and the start of the war reached him. As part of the Confederate Army and a trusted aide to Robert E. Lee, Lee himself would refer to him as his old warhorse. His reputation would take a few hits after the war, however, starting with accusations of incompetence at Gettysburg. Longstreet was accused of misinterpreting or arguing or delaying or even ignoring Lee's orders. In some cases, he was entirely blamed for the loss of the battle. The fact that Longstreet later supported Ulysses Grant for president didn't help his reputation among his former comrades, and neither did an incident in Louisiana in which he used black federal troops to suppress an uprising by a white supremacist organization. He became the man that former Confederates and some historians loved to hate. Never mind that Lee himself would later muse that Gettysburg may have been won if he'd only taken more of Longstreet's advice. After the war, he came to Gainesville, where he wrote his autobiography and served in some various governmental roles. For a time, he was the U.S. ambassador to Turkey in the Ottoman Empire. He eventually settled down full-time in Gainesville on a farm known as Park Hill, and he also had a partial interest in the Piedmont Hotel, which still stands on Maple Street. In 1889, he would lose his home to fire and his wife to illness. He did remarry to a woman much younger than him, and he worked in a few government posts, dividing his time between Washington, D.C. and Gainesville. 
Some may have criticized his conduct while wearing the gray uniform, but Robert E. Lee and Jefferson Davis had no problem appearing with him in public and shaking his hand. In 1990, a statue of Longstreet was put up at the Gettysburg battlefield. He's now seen more as a competent and thoughtful general who wasn't afraid to question orders when he thought they weren't appropriate. He's buried in Alta Vista Cemetery with members of his family around him. Manly Lanier Carter, they called him Sonny, entered the Navy in 1974 and completed flight surgeon school. He began as a medical officer but transitioned to fighter pilot and he did go to the Top Gun flight school. In 1989 he flew in the space shuttle Discovery and spent five days in orbit. He died in a commercial airline crash in Brunswick, Georgia in 1991. His name is engraved on the Space Mirror Memorial at Cape Canaveral and a NASA facility in which astronauts train for their missions in large tanks of water is named the Sonny Carter Neutral Buoyancy Laboratory in Houston. Maud Mooney was also known as Millie Vortex and she would hold a rope in her teeth while spinning around. One story says that she became ill while the circus was in town and was left behind to either recuperate or be buried. Some who have done further research believe that she and a former circus gymnast left the traveling life and settled down in Gainesville to retire. Her marker, which does have an illustration of her spinning on a rope, indicates that her final curtain was in 1942. There are some unique stones in the cemetery. B.P. Bird was a member of the Brotherhood of Locomotive Engineers, and that's marked on his stone with an engraving of a steam locomotive. Cooper Scott Stone has a cannon engraved on the front. He was part of the 1st South Carolina Infantry, and his stone remembers his memory with a bit of caution. It reads, Cooper B. Scott's obituary states that he fired the first cannon at Fort Sumter, South Carolina at the beginning of the American Civil War. Note, it doesn't say he did it, just that his obituary says he did it. There is a Daniel Boone buried here, but not the one you're thinking of. A little house stands over the graves of twins who died at the age of nine, and a short poem describes them taking up their harps and joining the heavenly choir. A marker for crippled Jim Smith, who died in 1910, simply states that he was a chair mender in Gainesville. Richard Banks, the doctor whose name was given to Banks County, is also buried there. And you'll also find two former governors, James Smith and Alan Candler. And interestingly, there are two people who are not buried there. Harold Telford has a marker stating he was lost in the Alps in 1907. An article in the New York Times explains that Telford was a student at the University of Zurich who had mysteriously disappeared. But in an odd twist, the article implies that he may have simply returned home to Georgia. If he did, no one told his family. Joel Vandiver, possibly Joe, but the stone says Joel, has a marker, but it says there that he was lost at sea. He would have been 16 at his death in 1918. And of course, Jesse Jewell is also laid to rest next to the road that bears his name.
On April 6, 1936, a tornado, or actually two tornadoes, struck Gainesville. There are a few historical markers and quite a bit written about this event, the loss of over 200 people and millions of dollars in damage. For example, a factory fire alone claimed 70 lives. President Franklin Roosevelt even diverted during a trip to Washington to tour the devastation. Quite a few of the victims are interred at Alta Vista, including one unidentified person with a marker labeled Unknown Dead. This has been a short episode, but I just want to remind you that Moving Through Georgia is a history podcast that covers mostly Northeast Georgia, but we will be expanding to more of Northern Georgia. If you have any questions or comments, please, we'd love to hear from you at movingthroughgeorgia at gmail.com. And please, if you are subscribed, stay subscribed. There are more episodes coming. And we'll end this episode with the Ladies of the Lake, and this is one of many stories you'll hear about Lake Lanier. I can try to do that in an episode, but honestly, the best stories you'll hear about the lake and its mysteries is from a podcast called Lore. An episode in October tells the various ghost stories that are attached to Lake Lanier. In 1958, two young women named Delia Parker and Susie Roberts stopped at a gas station on their way to Dawsonville, and they reportedly left without paying. They were never seen alive again. A year and a half later, a body was found under the Jerry Jackson Bridge. It had been in the water for a while and had no hands. At this point, there were already stories of a ghostly young woman in a blue dress with no hands being spotted in the vicinity of the bridge, frantically rushing back and forth as if she were searching for something. In 1990, the bridge was refurbished, and Delia's 1954 Ford was found in the lake bottom mud, with Susie Roberts' remains still inside. Roberts' grave marker reads, Died April 1st, 1958. Found November 1990. That's all.